Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we listen to every single episode. Did I say listen to? Where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I am Aurora. Uh, And I'm Looming. And this week... We are discussing uh, series eight, no, 10. God, I'm so discombobulated. I just got back from work. Series 10, episode six, Extremis, by who else? Stephen Moffat. Um, This episode is the first part of a trilogy of episodes relating uh, to the monks. but uh, we decided to do this one separately because it's a little bit less connected to the other two than the other two are to each other. Um, this episode, honestly, uh, so I, I kind of had this thought earlier and I understand why they didn't do it this way, especially considering that it was Moffat's last season. But when I was watching this, what I was really thinking about at the end would be was how neat would it be if like they they set up, okay, here's the this is all a simulation uh, by the monks uh, who are planning to invade and they were using that to essentially test strategies and test and see how humanity would react in this situation, all of that sort of thing. How cool would it be if you do that reveal, have the simulated doctor send the recording of all of this to the real doctor so he's alerted and aware, and then just, like, leave it for a season? Just have it be like a, oh, well, maybe this is an oncoming threat at some point, but they're not here yet, and we don't know when they're going to be here. That's, I actually thought you were going to take that in like a different direction um, when you first like said, here's another way they could have done it, which is that they could have done like half a season and then reveal, like if they did half a season yeah. of like really Earth-centric episodes and then sort of revealed that to all of Ben a simulation or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can see positives of the weight <laughs> Uh, option, not going straight into the trilogy, but given how much Doctor Who is known for not always picking up the ball on things that they, like, set up or drop, I am... There is part of me that's grateful that we get an immediate follow-up on that, even if the quality of said follow-up is vastly different from the setup. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I liked this episode. <laughs> no, it, this episode is is astonishingly good, I think. Like, I, I think, and this was an opinion that I think I had even since the first time that this aired. Um, uh, def, like, all the way, you know, all the way back to 2017 was that uh, no matter what happened with the rest of the Monks trilogy, at the very least, this one is really, really strong. 
And I think that's also because, as I mentioned, like, it could be actually fairly self-contained. Like, it's all set up for a thing and not actually necessarily, like, it doesn't, the invasion doesn't start until the next episode. Um, so it's able to focus on both this unraveling mystery that manages to leverage some really good existential horror um, and also being able to tell this side story about the Doctor and Missy. Yeah, I... <laughs> so the reason I, I'm, you know... So I, I, the reason why I mentioned that I like this episode is sort of... Because I was talking with a friend before this, and she was like, Oh yeah, that episode. I thought that was, like, really dumb and boring. And I was like, No, I remember this being, like, a really good episode. And then I watched it, and I was like fuck, this is still a good episode. I don't know what she's talking about. And basically, yeah. you know, I sort of, I, I get the criticism of, like, the idea that, like, a simulation twist is kind of um, basic or contrived or just kind of silly. But I don't know. I think it's played really well in this episode because they sort of sync it up with just this sort of, like, religious nihilism and, as you said, sort of, like, existential horror. Well, yeah, and I mean, generally, I feel like a lot of the time when you do a simulation twist, right? If you think about The Matrix or something like that, the world is a simulation, but the people are real people who are hooked into a simulation. That's not what this is. They're not real at all. They yeah. are entirely programs that are part of the simulation who become self-aware of that. Yeah, yeah. I can, the, the whole thing with the strings ahead. of numbers, like I, I, I know that's not actually how it's it works. It's a little hacky, <laughs> like the, but also mm -hmm. this is Moffat. Yeah, who gives a shit at this yeah. point? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't think that's how random number generators work. But you know what? It's like, it's a spooky enough like concept that I'm willing to let it slide just because like conceptually that is kind of horrifying. Yeah, for sure. I think where this episode succeeds at not being another, like, oh, it was all a dream, or oh, it was all a simulation thing, is that I feel like people's main complaint with those is the idea that they just invested so much time and energy watching something that ultimately doesn't matter. And here, the episode lets you know at the very end that that's not the case like yeah, the it's, digital it's, it's, yeah it's yeah. sent the like information off one it's it's almost like a rogue one situation where everyone dies but the work that they did was still meaningful and will potentially save the lives of many many more exactly yeah and you know i think it's really the the cutbacks and forth between the the doctor and Missy in, in this main story, I think, work together really well thematically because it is that idea of like, even when no one is watching and there's no reward, doing yeah, what's good, is important, and I think that that episode, this episode, just does such a good job driving that home at the end, with yeah. you know the simulation doctor's like final speech, and he's like, it doesn't matter if I'm not like flesh and blood, as long as I'm tricking the bad guy into their own traps and doing what's right, then I'm still the doctor. And that's just like, yeah, it's a meaningful no. moment, I think. And it's a really and, strong note to end the episode on. And anyone who's listened to the podcast over the past, 
almost two years at this point that we've been covering Moffat knows that I will absolutely give Moffat a lot of shit. And there are some things that Moffat does that I just don't like or get along with. Uh, but without hope, without witness, without reward is one of the rawest fucking things in Doctor <coughs> Who ever. And it starts here. And then comes back in the finale. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fucking good. And I just... Uh, I fucking love the Doctor and Missy's dynamic in this episode. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes me... It honestly makes me think... So, also... Thing, thing from last episode to mention. Yes, we are now in the post-Chibnall-verse. It's astonishing that we're finally here. Um, but as much as uh, those who listened to the podcast who were with us, well, with with me and uh, Aurora when we watched uh, the last Chibnall episode, no, I thought that the master in that episode was the best part of that episode. But that being said, it still don't fucking hold a candle to this. Yeah, and, okay, that's one of the things I lament the most with the Chibnall era, is that, like, <clears throat> Missy is, I think, the first time we really see, like, real development, going back to Classic mm -hmm. Who, between the Doctor and the Master's relationship, and just sort of, like, they're going somewhere with it, and then just Chibnall just drops it entirely, and that's, it, it's yeah. disappointing. Well, I mean, it's, it's... It's not entirely that. It's also, um, it's like, uh, the, cause Missy's arc was finished at the end and it's, it's, yeah. she, d she dies at the end and it's kind of disappointing or whatever, but you know, so on and so forth. Um, but then what happens is, is that we get a new master who, Again, especially in this last episode, Dwan does a really good job, but because of how that character is written and how it is a return much more to, like, <coughs> like kind of uh, Ainley or, or Sim-esque uh, evil mastermind, um, he plays that very well, but because of the nature of Missy, it cannot help but feel like a downgrade. Yeah. Yeah. How, like, how and, does it come back again? Is, I don't remember this. Uh, they just basically don't explain it. At all. Okay, yeah. so it's just like we're meant to assume, okay, he's probably some older version or another universe Which or whatever. Which is, again, why the timeless child thing, if the master was the timeless child, it would have made perfect sense for why they can just keep bringing the fucker back even though they've killed him off on screen multiple times. God damn it. I do it. think something, something this episode nails well, not that Missy hasn't been really good up to this point but i think there's finally this idea of missy could only ever be 12's master shut up context um so oh, 
But I th- I think their dynamic works very well for, especially her coming back now with the kind of character arc 12 has gone through of initially almost sort of being afraid of this new persona and who he's become post-Christmas bullshit. Um, I, I really like it, and I think, sadly, to tie it, to tie it back into, like, modern stuff, I do think that Dewan's master is a good fit for the type of doctor I think 13 was trying to be, which is very, like, weirdly, like, innocent, which I don't think works for the doctor, but I think, like, just on paper, it's, it's, it's more congruent than, like, if, if Missy stuck around for 13, I don't think that would be nearly as entertaining or fit nearly as well um yeah but yeah the the master has some good stuff in this episode both (laughs) in the flashbacks which have some moffat patented bullshit in them um and in the uh i guess present day simulation slash contemporary life yeah um and yeah, nor it's it's really, it's honestly like it's it's it is kind of weird how we went from like the first five episodes, like the first half of this season, feeling like a soft reset, and then the back half kind of jumping right back into business as usual. Uh, but that being said, it does kind of feel that does mean that it kind of feels like everything equilibrates out a bit now, like uh. Nardle gets to do good things in this episode and be interesting because it's finally like, oh, we can finally talk about why he's even here at all. Um, and we get, you know, a fairly arc-heavy episode and one that d- deals with the Doctor's relationship with the Master and all of that, and yeah. No, it's, it's re- really, really good. Um and manages to somehow make like it's weird how when you think about it on paper uh this is a story about uh simulated versions of the main cast running around with the pope and two cardinals uh and then uh like briefly walking into the pentagon and then going to cern where a scientist has put a bunch of or scientists have put a bunch of like bombs under tables because they've discovered that none of this matters and it manages to make that like when i just say that it sounds really dumb uh but and i i think that's kind of the mark of good doctor who is taking something that sounds uh really really dumb and then managing to make compelling television out of that yeah i mean just that whole sequence is just so good and like okay i I really dig just the, the Catholic horror vibes in this episode. I think they're really good. Just like this whole idea of like religious horror, you know, yeah. there are these documents that pre-exist the church and the like the sect that translated them killed themselves and burned all the copies. Yeah. It's, just, it's just very dramatic. Um, and like the Pope himself shows up. I just think that's a great little moment. Because yeah. um, it tends to be like politicians and stuff. And I just think this sort of like existential threat yeah. it's much better to have like the straight up pope there i think that's just really funny 
Um, mm -hmm. and, and like thematically fitting far more so than having like a politician. Um, and I just, I absolutely fucking love the scene of Bill with her date and they're like talking and she's like, hey, like, just so you know, there's like absolutely nothing wrong with what we're doing, parentheses being dykes. Um, and then, and the, then the, fucking the fucking Pope door. walks through the door <laughs> and just the look on her, her, like that girl's face, like, oh my God, I sinned so hard that the Pope appeared in this apartment. <laughs> Yeah, it sure is. It sure is a thing that happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and again, uh, for a comedic actor, Matt Lucas really ma manages to sell his last scene in the episode. Good shit. <laughs> also, I think I... It, is this in the trivia section on the Wikipedia page? Let me see. Because I remember people saying uh, that that uh, room, like the the white room, looks like the like a warp room from like a Crash Bandicoot game, I think. And I haven't played any of those, so I wouldn't know. Uh, but apparently that's the thing. Um Also uh <laughs> it feels like uh it's like it's very clear that the doctor still being blind was written for these this episode and the episode after it uh so, I mean, it obviously makes sense that it makes it work. But yeah, no, this episode manages to make the doctor being blind work, even if it does slightly, like, it does slightly, like, break my suspension of disbelief that nobody figures out that the doctor is blind the entire time, even when he's, like, clearly missing shit. I... Honestly, I feel like they did notice and they were just too polite to say because it's the doctor. <laughs> That's fair. That's a decent enough. I mean, they're canon, Catholics. Yeah. What are they going to do? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? It means they're Catholic. It's the Catholic sensibility. You don't just be like, hey, are you fucking blind? I don't know. Our Catholic school had some pretty head ass people there, but. Sure. I mean, I think some of that is due to American not at being American. Not yeah. Catholicism okay. in general. These are fair these enough. are like Italian Catholics. Yeah, yeah fair the enough. Whole, the these are like hardcore Catholics. They're yeah. all repressed. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um Also, like I so it does kind of devalue the next episode, but I also do think the bit where he momentarily gets his sight back and talks about how, like, yeah, that's probably going to fuck me up in some way that I can't anticipate later, uh, but I need this right now is good, even if it does kind of raise the question next week of, like, well, why didn't you just do that? I mean, to be fair, okay, 
I think that's a really funny moment because in the moment it's like really like, ooh, what's gonna like come back up from this later? And then it's just like nothing because it was a simulation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think it, it is this particular doctor vanity that he doesn't actually think anything bad will happen from that. Um, even though he says it does, he, he like clearly doesn't actually believe that. Otherwise, he would not be like trading that for just a few minutes of eyesight. I don't know. It depends. The doctor does some pre does some pretty head ass things. Looks at ten. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I guess the doctor is just kind of like... Well, no, no, no. That, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, he is being a dumbass because he's not actually, like, fully appreciating the consequences of that action. Like, he, he, he says it, but it's very flippant. Like, oh, yeah, this will probably, like, fuck me oh, up and yeah. maybe I'll drop dead in 20 yeah. minutes. But <laughs> it's worth it for these, like, few minutes of bad eyesight that doesn't actually work. Yeah. Absolutely. And then he just listened to it on audio in the end, so he didn't actually need yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. But wait, uh, they, see, they should have made they should have made a bit. <clears throat> like I understand that they used it as their ultimate like get out of jail card at the end for how he actually like read it. But I think it would be really funny that uh, if you tried to like screen reader it on a uh, on a laptop, the laptop would just explode. Like, like even, even the computer is like, oh my god. <laughs> even though that would make no fucking sense whatsoever. It's, it's Doctor Who. We don't need to make sense. Yeah. It's fine. Um... But yeah, no, I, to, to, to pivot also, I think it's, it's, I think it's really raw that they actually like bring up at the very end when he leaves with Missy. He's like, yeah, uh, look up how many people have like cause of death me on there. Like it, it feels like a moment that where they actually. That was so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels like a moment of like. You know, we talk about, like, the, the, the no-gun stuff and, and some of the other things and how that feels kind of wonky. And I think this does an actually decent job of, like, acknowledging that, like, no, people die all the time. He just doesn't directly kill them, necessarily. That being said, he still definitely contributes, so... It was a rare... I'm the doctor, fuck you... Dun, 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 yeah, they don't. Moment. They don't play it. No, but it, if this was Matt Smith there, that would t be totally what would happen there. It's one of the rare moments that they, <clears throat> since they've started doing it, that that it was but enjoyable. Also, okay, but also Peter Capaldi is better at selling it than Matt Smith ever was. Because Matt Smith, like. He tried a little bit early on, but, like, especially later on, he just kind of lost the any sense of menace whatsoever. Oh, it's it's his best when it's the, um, when it's the Pandorica speech. And every yeah. time later, it's not as good. But, yeah, anyways, <laughs> it, it was just funny that I was like, okay, yeah, the, you, fuck you. You earned it this time. Yeah, 
No, they really did. Yeah, I just, I, I feel, yeah, definitely, because I feel like some of them, it's just like, look me up on the internet and you'll see scary things. And I feel like that doesn't have the, the same impact as, okay, you have the most comprehensive catalog or database on death in the universe. Now look me up as cause of yeah. death. Like, that's, that's hard as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's raw. Um, yeah, uh, and then, yeah, just, I mean, we, we talk about this every time about how just absolutely amazing Michelle Gomez is, but just that, that bit when like, cause I think one of the things that this arc taps into so well that, uh, is one of the reasons why it's just so fantastic in every regard um, and immaculate is because obviously a very clear core trait of the master is not wanting to die, fearing death, like literally stealing bodies multiple times to try and skirt around it, continuing to exist as like an emaciated corpse because uh, you're out of regenerations, but you refuse to die. Um, so her being faced in a situation where she's actually like, oh, fuck, there's actually no way out of this. I am completely screwed. Like, no no cunning plan, no yeah. nothing. Like, this is, oh, this is actually it. And I think that's one of those places that the doctor and the master are just really closely aligned because you know he has that exact same thing not not maybe to the same ex it's not emphasized to the same extent maybe but he definitely has that just like overriding fear of like the actual end um mm -hmm. and i think it makes it that's part of why he's empathetic here i think is because yeah. he knows like I don't know. I guess it's just a Time Lord thing, maybe. Because I know they're, like, very particular about their deaths. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, like... The other thing, too, is that um, I feel like they definitely, like... RTD definitely kind of tried with this. But I feel like... Um, what Capaldi and Gomez are able to do... Because part of partly because they have such good chemistry and partially because they're both incredibly good actors is that they manage to sell this connection that the doctor and the master have, which their friendship and youth has basically played out entirely off screen. Um, and they, they manage to actually like really give you this a sense of that in a way that I don't feel like most people to play the role have except for maybe like or the original like John Pertley uh 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 Roger Delgado uh matchup um and and it it also I mean it also helps that this is like Missy's third appearance at this point so like you definitely get I feel like that's actually something that hasn't actually really happened since the original matchup because 
the Ainley Master showed up a few times uh, with Tom Baker and like maybe once or twice with like every other remaining on-screen doctor. And then Sim until now was basically just 10. Uh, but only appeared like twice. And in this case, it's really like a case of the master as a genuine recurring character that hasn't happened since their original uh, on-screen incarnation. So you really get to yeah. build and a I think character it's, it's out just of a this. really interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. just a really interesting period in the story that they like decided like here's a character where we want to like actually revisit and not just give like a oh the big bad showed back up with an evil plot for this one episode um <clears throat> like i i think you know i appreciate a lot that, that that we really get to spend time with missy not just in like series finales but like throughout seasons during 12's era and we just really get to like have her around as a character and i think that's really valuable yeah absolutely and i i think yeah no it's it's really astonishing that this episode manages to have the two <sighs> like a plot it manages to have like an extreme both an extremely strong a plot and an extremely strong b plot i feel like a lot of times that doesn't necessarily happen when they're both like big plot things in the way that this is so, like, really, really good on them. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it for my thoughts on this one. Yeah, you said it. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to ratings. Uh, yeah, no. At the very least, if even if the rest of the Monks trilogy is dog shit... This one was pretty damn good. Uh, I'd give that a... Like, it's it's got some really great <clears throat> cosmic and existential horror in it. Um, it introduces some ideas that uh, are some of my favorite parts of Series 10. And even if... Even if... The... Uh, Even if uh, ultimately the Monks trilogy ends really disappointingly, it at least uh, starts off real, real strong. I'd say this is definitely like a solid S-tier episode. Yeah. Um, great mystery. Great setup. Great flavor of locations and characters with the Pope and the scientists and the stupid gimmicky line of code plus being able to keep track of like <laughs> the flashbacks the <clears throat> the uh the missy nardal coming in it'd be very easy to feel like these two things are just getting l lost in the sauce with each other and that it wouldn't fit but it does um the introduction to the monks I think we all remember the monks because of this episode. Yeah, pretty like much. Like we yeah, we we all like take stock of them because of that because um well yeah, we'll we'll see how the uh their story progresses, but for right now, 
Yeah, it's a it's a simple story done in clever ways with clever flourishes. It's Stephen Moffat um, at, at among his best, not just in his like flashy finale uh, anniversary I'm the doctor bullshit, but just telling a great like compelling story. Uh, this is a, this is a very solid <coughs> nine out of ten. Yeah, <clears throat> I I I think one of the big draws for this episode for me is just like how hard it leans on this this very different type of horror than you usually get in Doctor Who. It's just this very conceptual thing, and I don't yeah. know. I think it just has fun with it, and it's a sort of it's a plot structure that I don't think we've gotten anywhere else, and I think it just grounds itself well by tying it to that uh, Doctor and Mercy story and just like really anchoring it and driving it home with that final doctor speech. It's just, there's a lot of emotionally poignant, poignant stuff in here um, and conceptually poignant too. I think it's one of the episodes with the most, maybe not the most, but it's just like, it's one of those episodes that has something really concrete to say and something that's interesting. Um, yeah, I would say it's also a nine out of 10. Yeah. All right. Um, so next week we will be covering the other two parts of the monks trilogy, uh, the pyramid at the end of the world and the lie of the land. Um, until then though, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at B2 TARDIS pod. You can, uh, support us on Patreon for a number of benefits such as early access to episodes, the ability to listen in live to episodes being recorded and potentially even the ability to guest star upon an episode of your choosing. I'm Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at WheatleyDL. I am Aurora. You can follow us on Twitter while Musk is sinking it into the earth at uh, Ahura Borealis. Um, I might be on Mastodon. I don't know. Nah. Yeah. The Twitter's, Twitter's don't not go to Mastodon. To yeah, Twitter's not going to crash and burn. Burn, I'm betting you it's just going to be a repeat of Tumblr uh, where Yahoo bought it for like $1 billion and then sold it for $3 million. He's going. He's gonna dump it in like a year. I'm betting you, and just like someone else will come in and try yeah. to like pick up the pieces. I think it's gonna get worse, but it's 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 still gonna be usable. It's still gonna be a site yeah. that exists. Um, sure, I'm just I'm. It's it's the the fact that this bullshit has been happening. Don't go to Mastodon. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I not not in like a Republican like. Oh, we should have alternatives to big tech, but like. I'm I'm curious in other platforms sometime that aren't Truth Social or any other of the right wing havens. And Mastodon seems to actually like take efforts into like fucking over their Nazi user base. So that's interesting. Yeah, but, but Mastodon is also just like unpleasant to use. It's unwieldy. Yeah. To be fair, I didn't know how to use anyways. Twitter for like a year. Anyways, anyways. Mastodon oh, you will nuts. not figure out Mastodon then. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm Looming, and uh, what's my Twitter at again? Uh, Himajoshi Chaser. And we will see you all next week. <laughs>